in the glory forever and ever. Amen. Welcome to the podcast, In and Through Exist, to equip the church to be hearers and doers of the word. My name is Tim. <laughs> my name my name's Marshall. Hello. Good, you got that. I, for a second, I was wondering. I'm sorry. Just <laughs> think about it. Let me think. What am I supposed to say here? I know, right? Oh. So, so for those of you listening, uh, which is everyone, which is why you have the podcast <laughs> playing. Oh, man. It's a bit of a rough start. It is. It's okay. That's fine. It's a rough start. Let's... We've already had to uh, restart once. We have. We, we open up with some little bit of small talk, and we're stumped. Yeah. we. Neither one of us are very good at small talk. We're tired of talking about the weather. Yeah. I mean, and yeah. We're just talking about the weather is lame. Especially when you're recording a couple of weeks in advance. Yeah. Or like a month and a half in advance <laughs> or whatever it is right now. Yeah. We're, just, we're just not good. We're just not good at the chit-chat. We just like to get... Get right at it because so, because we're spiritual. That's right. Because we are pastors. Mm. Pastors wake up praying. Mm. We read the Bible and meditate on it. Meditate on it day and night, and then we go back to bed. That's right. That's it. Mm. That's it. No fun around here. Nope. This is holiness. Never. <laughs> Joyless holiness. Producer Alex is looking through the window <laughs> like maybe it's time to start over. No, no. Time. We've already done All it right. once. Numbers. 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 We are numbers. Starting at chapter seven. Yep. Uh, this week's reading runs through chapter 22. Yeah. We're going to stop at 21 mm-hmm. because because Marshall didn't finish his reading. That is not <laughs> that is not true. No, chapter 22 starts kind of a new little kind of fun side story. It's an extended narrative that covers a couple chapters. Yeah, so we just would rather do all of that kind of all in one shot. So we're going to we're going to end this podcast one chapter short of what the weekly reading would normally be for those of you who are following on. So yeah. But so, so send your booze this way. <laughs> right? You feel if you feel cheated. If you feel cheated, cheated your chapter. <laughs> okay. So numbers. So we start off. So we, we we got into numbers a little bit last week, but now here we are. We're getting into um, kind of the continuation of the story of Israel in the wilderness, and so we start with the offerings um, at the tabernacle of the various tribes. Yeah, and and this part of this part of numbers is it, it's interesting how it's set up because we have some of the things that you expect in numbers. Mm. We also have some narrative and that sort of thing. Uh, but let's talk forests. What are we what are oh, we looking yeah, at right. for, for big picture stuff? Come on, uh, Marshall. Sorry, I'm getting the cart before the horse kind of thing. Uh, forest. Um, for me, okay. So for me, there is this whole idea in this week's reading of God's judgment and mercy in in response to man's rebellion. So yeah, there's, there's this continuous pattern of, of the people of God rebelling against God. Mm-hmm. And then he exercises judgment, but he also exercises mercy. These kind of two sides of the same coin. So that's this kind of a, this recurring theme that really stood out to me. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. How about you? So, so for me, I would say the man's discontentedness with God's plan. Okay. I, I, think, I think every, if not every story... It feels like in every story we're going to read this week, God says, this is the glorious plan I have for you. Mm. And Israel goes, eh. Yeah, pass. What if we tweaked it a bit? What's option B? Or what if we didn't? Yeah. Or what if we just go back to Egypt? How many times? How many times this week did we hear them say? Yeah, a lot. It wasn't like this in Egypt. Yeah. If only we could go back. Yeah. Make bricks without straw and get beat for not doing a good enough job. Right. So, so let's let's run with that. So 
their fear is that their children are going to perish in the wilderness because God has led them out into the wilderness. And the better option is to go back to Egypt where they were certain to die. Yeah. Yeah, it's not like it's not like Pharaoh's going to like welcome them back with open arms. No, no, I, I mean, like their children were being thrown into the river. Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah, what? Are you, so yeah. their children are being thrown into the river. Oh my and and now they're like, but what if our kids perish out here? It would be better to not have to worry about that all night mm-hmm. and go back to the place where it was sure to happen. Yeah, and this is after God has already miraculously provided protection, food, water mm-hmm. in the wilderness, and they're just questioning Him constantly. I'm only glad that Israel doesn't stand as a representation of the human heart in general and that we are not susceptible to these same things. <laughs> I'm glad that we can talk about this in a them and not an us kind yeah. of a way, right? Because surely I would never. <laughs> yeah, surely, surely, surely. We, we got to get moving. Okay, so here we go. Number seven, offerings of the people at the tabernacle. We get kind of, we start off kind of a few chapters it starts a little slow in this week's reading, if we're being honest. Yeah, I, I think the things that you think about it for Leviticus and Numbers, uh, so there's a lot of really great, really interesting stuff in this week's reading. You're going to find that. There's some really fascinating stories. Yeah. But there are some of those things that are pretty stereotypical, Leviticus and Numbers, at the beginning of the week that are they're going to be a little bit tough to get through. Yeah. Uh, some, some things just to point out from that because we don't want to just skip over it. There's mm-hmm. At the beginning of Chapter 8, there's a whole thing about the seven lamps. Yeah. Yeah, I wonder what those on the seven lampstands. Mm. Spoiler alert! It comes back. Last book, <laughs> the letter to the seven churches. Yeah, and they are represented as the seven lampstands. That's right. I wonder if when mm. we get to that part of Revelation, if we're gonna like remember that we covered this in Numbers. I will. You will. We'll okay. see if you do. I'll leave that up. I'll leave that on <laughs> you. Yeah, we'll just record that up so you'd be like, "So, Marshall, what are we gonna remember today?" I'm like, I forget. Yeah. It, it, the correlation between the two? I don't know. Let the reader do with it what they may. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, okay. And then we have, you know, more instructions of the you know, cleansing of the Levites. Uh, Passover is celebrated. So it gives us a, a bit of a concept of the amount of time that's passed by. So it's been a year since the Exodus, essentially. So they've been at the foot of Mount Sinai for a year. Um, and, you know, people start, people start getting restless around mm-hmm. this time. Right. People start to be not so happy with their situation. They begin to complain. Yeah, so the the people complained at Sinai. They leave yep, Sinai. That's true. And then chapter 11, they complain people complain. Yeah, what do you know? And uh, and what is it they're upset about in chapter 11? They want meat. They want meat. They I, want meat. You know what? I, I get it. But at the same time, I, I think there's something in th- this God's provision for them has been manna. Yep. In a miraculous way so that only God can be glorified through yep. what it is that they're eating. Mm-hmm. And, and that he is literally sustaining them day in and day out. Mm. And they look at it and they say, you know, I want something else. I, I, made, I made notion or I made, I made a comment a few weeks back that part of Moses leading Israel through this wilderness experience is, is Kind of like raising a toddler. Yeah. Totally. I think that is particularly true in this week's reading. I think we see yeah. that. And here they are sitting at the table looking at the dinner that has been prepared for them mm-hmm. and going, I don't like it. Yeah. What else you got? Right? And and so they want meat. Yep. And God says, You're gonna get quell. 
Yeah. You're going to get so much quail that you'll be able to eat it for a month. Yep. And and even goes so far as to say until it's coming out of your nose. <laughs> right? Yep. <laughs> then Moses says, well, God, do you realize how many people are here? Yeah, there's a lot of people here. There's a lot of people here. Do you really think that you... And God says, watch. Has my hand been shortened? Right. That's what he says. Right. <laughs> like, you saw what I did in Egypt. Uh, yeah. Thanks for the update. Still uh, me. But I know what I'm doing here. Yep. Right? So <laughs> he gives them quail. It's a day's journey in either direction to get to the quail. Yep. They go and get the quail. Yep. And let's just stop the story there because people need to read it. Sure. Actually, yeah, you're right. We, we can't give it away. You can't spoil every story. But chances are... People aren't going to ask for quail again. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> they go back to being vegetarians for the time being. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> All right. And then, uh, okay, Numbers 12, Miriam and Aaron oppose Moses. Ah. Yeah. Yeah, so so let's do this here. We, we, we talked about where it is we want to do this, but I, it's important for us to understand the distinction between a priest and a prophet, right? Yeah. Uh, because we have these two offices that have been discussed so far. We know that Moses is the great prophet. Aaron has been consecrated as the first of the priests. But what's the, what's the difference? What are their roles? The way I like to describe this is to consider a phone, right? So you hold a phone up to your face mm-hmm. for the because you're not rude and putting people on speakerphone, okay. right? You, you <laughs> hold the phone up to your face, and the purpose of this is to converse with someone off-site. Right. Right? God being that person off-site, the speaker that you have against your ear mm. brings you the message from. Okay. That is the role of the prophet. Okay. The speaker, or not the speaker, the microphone, mm-hmm. takes the me- your message and sends it to, that is the role of the priest. Right, okay. So the prophet speaks to the people on behalf of God, mm. and the priest speaks to God on behalf of the people. Right, that makes sense. I mean, because it describes Aaron as being Moses' mouthpiece earlier on, right? So that, right. that's consistent. So that makes sense. That, that... And and in it, we, we have God also speaking to, or Moses speaking to God. Sure, there's as, overlap, yeah. But, but when God has a message for Israel, he sends that through Moses, mm. And the sacrifice, that request for repentance, and those prayers are offered by Aaron, that g- Moses is also able to talk to God is really more conversational than anything else. Yeah, it is. Uh, and so so that's the distinction between the priest and the prophet. In the book of Hebrews, we're going to see this come back, so it's important to hold on to this idea of the priest and the prophet and what their varying roles are. It'll take place all through the Old Testament, especially when we get to Jeremiah, yeah. uh, Jeremiah the prophet. Mm-hmm. speaking to the priests about where they have failed the people. And, uh, and and then in Hebrews, where it's going to tell us that Jesus is the ultimate priest and prophet. Yeah. Uh, he comes to be both simultaneously. Yeah. Uh, so those are the roles of the priest and the prophet. And here we have sibling rivalry. Yep. Um, Classic. Miriam and Aaron coming in saying, why is it that Moses... Has the opera? He's not even the firstborn, mm-hmm. right? He's yeah, he's, the, he's the youngest. Yeah, yeah. So why is it that Moses gets to be the one uh, that is that is the prophet hearing from God, and why not us? We want this chance too. Yeah, and and this is where I was. This is an example. I mean, discontentedness with the plan of God comes in at the quail. It comes in mm-hmm. uh, here. Yeah, where where people say, I understand that this is God's plan, but I want it too. Yeah, yeah. People just not being satisfied with the order of things, right? Mm-hmm. And, and why, why Moses instead of Aaron and Miriam? 
because that's what God decided. I mean, that's the short answer anyways. Yeah, and, and that might seem too quick to the point, and people may look at that and be like, ah, that, that, that's not a satisfactory answer. But, yeah. but here's the thing. We're talking about the good, pleasing, and perfect will of a righteous God. Yeah, yeah. That it is his will su- will suffice as an answer. Yeah, that's a good enough answer when, when we know who God is and how he operates, yeah. Right, and, and any time we take God's answer and we say, well, that's not good enough, we have to ask the question, what is your view of God? Yeah. Do you have too small a view of God? Yeah. He's, you know what, to, to ask those questions essentially is saying either that you are better than God in a sense or that you have a better understanding of the situation than God, that your plan, uh, that, you're, that you're more wise than God, whatever it might be. And so ultimately, I mean, the, the, the arrogance that comes when we question what God has made clear um, is, is a is a serious problem. Serious problem in ancient Israel. Serious problem today in our own lives and our own hearts. Right. Yeah, it, because it happens this way, right? We have we have people that say, "Well, I I want to the a call to ministry. I want to be a pastor." When when they haven't been called to be a pastor, or or people that say, uh, "I I want to be that pastor elevated." Right. Sure. God raises people mm. in into a, sort of this public eye kind of ministry mm. to be the the John Pipers. And the uh, John MacArthur's and and the other Johns that get elevated over time or 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 become famous in that way. Right. Mm -hmm. And for me to look and say, well, how come I don't get that sort of one? I don't want it Mm -hmm. uh, because I could never withstand that kind of scrutiny. Yeah. People people try to pick those guys apart. I it would just it's too easy to pick me apart. (laughs) Um, It's not even you got to give them a challenge at least. That's right. Uh, and, And and. but the other thing is just like it, it's not mine to long for. Sure. Right? Yeah. God yeah. be glorified through them. I will be here doing what it is that I've done because you know what? Memorial Baptist Church needed a pastor. Yeah. And so this is where I am. We're glad to have you. Famous enough. <laughs> Famous enough. I like right? that. I to like be, that. To be a part of doing what God has called us to, where God has called us to, sure. is living inside of the plan of God. Mm-hmm. May mm-hmm. your glory be found in that and not in wanting something that's not yours. Yeah. And so? And so? And so, the, so anyway, so that, that ultimately is is resolved. We'll, we'll let the kind of the details of how that plays out. We'll leave that up to you guys. Um, and then we get into kind of a, a well, relatively well-known passage sure. of the spies being sent out into Canaan, right? So that there, there's one for each of the tribes. And they go out. They spend 40 days kind of scoping out the land, seeing what's there, Um it is it is a rich land. God has not been overselling Canaan. It is a land flowing with milk and honey. Um, you know, they they one of the things I noticed is like that they're carrying a, a a bunch of grapes on a pole between two of them. I mean, I don't you know I've seen I've I've been to a couple of vineyards, and you know they're usually at the, you know a bunch of grapes can easily be held by one person in one hand. So this is this is a this is a type of um, abundance. That is, you know, that comes along with it being the promised land, this special place that God's going to bring his people mm-hmm. into. But, but the spies bring a bad report anyways. Right. Uh, not all of them. No, no, you're right. We have the two. Yep. Joshua and Caleb. Yep. Uh, which is why my son is named Caleb, this very thing. 
that Caleb would stand in front of the people of God mm-hmm. and say, I don't care what the challenges are. Yeah. I know the promise mm-hmm. and I know who has given the promise. Yeah. And if this is his will, it will not be by our might and strength. Are we outnumbered? Sure. Mm-hmm. Are we outmatched? Sure. Mm-hmm. Does uh, an invading army have a disadvantage to those that they are invading? Sure. Mm-hmm. None of that matters. Yeah. None of that calculates into the plan. All, all of these earthly things that we would be wrestling with and considering in, in pursuing the plan of God, they make no difference when the promise has been clearly given by a supernatural God. Yeah, yeah. And so that, that he would stand up in front of the people of God and say, you know the promise and the will of God. We will move forward in that plan. Mm-hmm. That, that's what I want for my son. And uh, I, I want that kind of faith. And so that's why that's mm-hmm. why he's Caleb. Yeah. Yeah. For Caleb, Caleb and Joshua to speak up in the way they did. Right. In the face of this vast multitude of people. Right. Who end up trying to stone them mm-hmm. for, right. for, for, for bringing this up. Right. For standing on the promises that God gave them. They were nearly killed. Mm-hmm. Right. And uh, but I mean, they are reserved from the judgment that God then pronounces. You know, everyone over that age of 20, all of those who've kind of gone through this census that we talked about last week, none of them will see the promised land but for Joshua and Caleb. And, and to be honest with you, knowing myself, if I were either Joshua or Caleb, mm-hmm. I would be the hardest person to live with for the next 40 years. <laughs> I told you so. Knowing <laughs> that, that and knowing that I could not die. For the next 40 years. Whoa. Right? Yeah, I didn't think of that. Just all kinds of crazy stuff. People would mm. be like, I don't know if you should lift that on you. I'd be like, you know what? I think I'm going to be okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. I'm going to try this. Yeah. I'm going to try that. And then yeah. just, yeah. Yeah, the other 10 spies just die in front of yep. in front of everyone. Just in case anyone's curious of for whether or not, uh, or who was right and who was wrong yeah. in the yeah. eyes of God. Yeah. It was, it was made, made pretty made clear. clear. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so then then we have God just sort of looking at this and having enough, and he says to Moses, uh, I, I, here's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to be rid of all of them, <laughs> and I'm going to start over with a new people from you. Moses says, I don't think this is a good idea. Interestingly enough, hmm. this is the exact opposite response, what we had in chapter 11, where right. Moses says, hey, God, these aren't my kids. <laughs> did I did I bear these kids? I, no. I love that. Pattern. Why why am I in charge here? Yeah. Can I just die? <laughs> I love it. I love that passage. Yeah. And so so Moses has given up on them and God yeah. says not yet. Mm. And now God is giving up on them and Moses says not yet. Mm. And so there's there's that balance there, right? Mm-hmm. Uh then we get into uh into back into some laws. And and here's the Here's the beautiful thing that I think that I see inside of the narrative and the laws uh, sort of interweaving here. Um, It could easily be categorized that all the laws and preparation and everything come together and then the narrative comes together. But that these things continue to interweave just shows the heart of God to say, I have a plan. I'm going to bring my plan about. Mm -hmm. Yes, you guys are acting a fool over here. I'm going to deal with that, and then we're going to get back on track with my plan. Yeah. yeah. Right? So it shows the patient perseverance of God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, regardless of their continual rebellion, God mm-hmm. kind of sticks with the program. 
And so the, the, the following chapter, we see another rebellion. Another rebellion. Another rebellion, because, you know, we haven't gone through enough of them this week. One, one more opportunity for people to say, uh, maybe we should go back to Egypt. Maybe we should just choose for ourselves a leader mm-hmm. and go back to Egypt. And Korah says, well, I'll do it. I vote for me. I vote me. <laughs> and, uh, and it doesn't go well. No, not at all. Not at all. And he was funny in that story, too. So along with Korah, there's Dathan and Abiram. And they actually have the audacity to blame Moses for not bringing them into Canaan. Yeah. As though this wasn't like a a group decision. Right. As as if the spies and every—the short memories here. The spies (laughs) and everyone present ready to stone Joshua and Caleb for suggesting that they would go in. Mm -hmm. And now they're like— Hey, do you remember when we all wanted to go in and receive the promise of God? And Moses said no. <laughs> Come on. Oh man, you got to feel for. I mean, and and Moses, you know, we can't put Moses on too too high a pedestal. He's human. He has his faults, as we're mm-hmm. as we're gonna find out. But I mean, he he does have to deal with a lot, man. Right. This is I'm a tough. You. This is you. a tough calling the Lord has put on his life. Yeah. So let's let's talk about that. Right. In in chapter twenty, mm-hmm. uh, we have a need for water. Yep. They're asking for water. God says, fine, take your staff and go and speak to the rock. Uh, Moses goes and he hits the rock with the staff. Mm-hmm. The Bible says in an act of faithlessness. Mm-hmm. And for that, Moses and Aaron, we often hear this story and think about Moses, but it, it also says Aaron. Yeah. Neither one of them are able to enter into the promised land. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, God told Moses to speak to the rock. So maybe it was the idea, yeah, I don't know. Maybe, well, well, we do know, we do know one thing about Moses is that he wasn't very confident in his speaking ability, right? Perhaps. Yeah, I, I think he just had to look at the rock and say water. Yeah, yeah, probably. So that, <laughs> I don't think he needed a big, long speech. Yeah. Uh, but but what whatever it was, God said, I have a way that this should go about, mm-hmm. and this is the way that I want this to take place, mm-hmm. and... Moses said, well, let's throw a little flair on it. Yeah, why not? Spice it up a bit. Right, right. Make it exciting. And uh, and God said, no, yeah. that's not okay. Yeah. Right? I, I, gave, you, I gave you the means mm-hmm. by which this was to be carried out. Yeah. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm really fighting making Baptist jokes here about uh, how, how the practice of, that's described in Scripture matters. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Details, details matter. Right. For all of our Presbyterian friends whom we, we love, love and, and are listening, or, or Christian Reformed Church friends who are listening, uh, those kinds of things. Yeah, uh, so, so in that, we have, we have that sort of declaration, you're not going to make it in. And then at the bottom of the chapter, we have the death of Aaron, which is a, a funeral for a living man. Yeah, kind of an interesting scenario. Right. Yeah, so take your brother mm-hmm. and your nephew mm-hmm. and go up on the hill mm-hmm. and take the ephod off of Aaron, mm-hmm. put it on Eleazar, mm-hmm. and Aaron will die, and then you can come down the hill. Yeah. I wonder if it was it the climb up the mountain that killed Aaron? Because here's the thing. like He makes it up the mountain. Anyways, that that's just— It's not a natural death. It's a supernatural okay, death. Sure. That's why God called it ahead of time. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Uh, what that. my question is: At what point did Moses fill Aaron in on what's happening? <laughs> They're like, right? Come. Because remember, Aaron is the priest. He speaks on behalf of the people to God. He doesn't hear God on, for the people. So Moses gets this information, mm. and at some point, he has to share it with Aaron. 
He's like, oh, by the way, Aaron. Yeah. Like Aaron, Aaron being like, oh, Moses, what a beautiful day it is. And Moses <laughs> Let's go for a like, walk. <laughs> Let's go for a walk. This might be your last day. Do you think at some point maybe Aaron goes, hey, do you remember the story of Abraham and Isaac? And, <laughs> and Moses goes, that's a good one. <laughs> I, I don't think, I, no, not this time, bro. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. Oh, man. That's great. And okay, so, so we have the, the death of Aaron. And then, and then, you know, due to um, another round of complaining right. by the, the Israelite people, you know, why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? No food, no water. Well, except for the food and water that God has been continually giving them for the right, last right. year and who knows how long. Um, yeah. Then there's fiery serpents that are sent out. And, uh, and, and then Moses is then instructed to craft a bronze serpent, put it on a pole, raise it up, and those who have been bitten look on it. Yeah, I, I don't know what it means by fiery serpents. Uh, my mm. my son has uh, this comic book Bible. Okay, with some really awesome sort of like epic comic book graphics. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's probably the best Bible for reading this story. Sure. I just I need I have to go look it up and see what these fiery serpents look like. Yeah, uh, dragons. I, I don't know. Just straight up dragon. I don't know, but you know what? It, it, this is such an interesting story. And, and then we have the the bronze serpent that is created. Right. Uh, last time they created an image from uh, casting precious metals, it did not go well. Right. Um, we were saying in the in the prep when Moses held it up and said, hey, everybody, look at this. There were probably some of them going, it feels like a trick. <laughs> uh, we learned our lesson. Uh, but this is the means for whatever reason, this is the means by which God chose to heal his people. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of times in the Old Testament, we want to try really hard to bring Jesus into everything. I had a, a great professor of Old Testament that said, sometimes a tent peg is a tent peg, and its sure. job is not to point to Christ, but to hold the tent in the ground. Right. And and so you don't need to try to read Jesus into everything that takes place in the construction of the temple and all that kind of stuff. Sometimes it, there is imagery, sometimes there is not. Mm-hmm. This is one of those points where there is imagery, and we don't have to force it, because no. Jesus himself, in John chapter 3, will say, in the same way that Moses lifted up the serpent and all who looked on it were healed, so the Son of Man must be lifted up. Yeah. Yeah. Directly referencing the connection between this situation and what he is about to do. Right. Um, Looking on, looking at Christ or looking upon him with faith. Yeah. And so in addition to this uh, section through numbers, we also have a psalm. Yeah, we do. Psalm 90. Psalm 90. Yeah. So that's a psalm that was written by Moses. And so even though it's in the book of Psalms, it it is, you know, because we're doing a chronological reading. It would be contemporary with the life of Moses, right? So, so um, you know, the title that you probably have in your Bible is something like "From Everlasting to Everlasting," and and thematically, it's really big on the fact that God is eternal, mm-hmm. man is temporary, right? It's a very this kind of this stark contrast between between you know humanity and and God. Right, right. The, the the temporality of man and the eternity of God, uh, mm-hmm. which the Bible the Bible hammers on so many times, mm-hmm. right? Uh, reminding us that our life is like a mist, and by yeah. afternoon it's gone, mm-hmm. uh, and its place remembers it no more. Mm-hmm. That we are like a flower in the field, and the wind blows, and we're gone. 
Uh, the the beauty and all of that. I, I think a lot of times people read things like this, uh, or they 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 hear Christians talk about them. They think, well, that makes me feel profoundly insignificant. I think one, it is good to read those and be made to feel humbled and insignificant. Uh, but I think two, the counter is really the point, right? Mm-hmm. That God is enduring even through the the lifetime of humanity mm. in such a way that it would cause humanity to seem like a blip. The, the, the real emphasis is on the endurance of God and the eternality of God and that that should be celebrated mm. and should bring me peace and, and, not, uh, and, and not make me anxious because it, it tells me, hey, I, I've just started and I'm already almost done. Yeah, God's been here. Mm-hmm. He's done this. He's watched it. He's carried people through these things, and I can rest in him. Yeah. Because yeah. he's been here, and he's done that, and just because I haven't doesn't mean that this is new to everyone. Yeah. Psalm, yeah. Psalm 90 teaches us, actually, I'll just read verse 12. It says, so teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. And so there's, there's a certain amount of wisdom that comes with understanding how finite we are, particularly, as you said, in relation to the infinite God that we worship, mm-hmm. right? It, one of the things that, you know, I was kind of thinking about this and, and I, you know, I've, I've got a, a daughter who's only six months old, so perhaps I'm in no position to be giving parenting advice, but I'm going to do it here anyways. Um, having attended a funeral, family funeral recently and, uh, you know, and some of the younger members of the family not attending, I was disappointed to hear that because um, I've received this information or this advice rather from people in the past. It is good for all of us and for children, I think in particular, to attend funerals, to experience death, to see how finite we really are. Um, and again, against the backdrop of an infinite God, right? That we not you know live these lives as though the things of this earth, this present body that we're in, or, you know, the things that we, that consume our time will just go on forever. No, we are here today and gone tomorrow, right? And so there's wisdom in, in numbering our days. There's wisdom in, in, in knowing that we're mortal. Yeah, you know, every time I do a funeral, I find myself grounded all over again. Mm. Uh, when, when I do, when I'm in a funeral and then the, where you're having the sort of lunch afterward, um, I have a very heavy feeling that I want to just go home and be with my family. Right. Right. And and not only do I want to go and make those moments matter, I also hear people eulogize. Sometimes it's this beautiful thing about a, a parent uh, who has been raising up generations of people to know the word of God and such. And, and I come out inspired. And I think the way to be remembered like that is to leave right now and go do those things, hmm. right? Um, and, and sometimes it's not. Sometimes the only things that people can think of to say are these, these temporal things that are now gone right. and will not carry into eternity. Mm-hmm. And I think I don't want that, and I don't want my kids to have that, and I want to go now and head this off, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so, so funerals are really grounding. I think the reason why people choose not to go to funerals and particularly why they choose not to bring their kids to funerals is, uh, one, they don't think of it as important hmm. because I got stuff to do. Sure. Um, which I, I, I think 
is a real problem in that, like you were saying, it causes us to be so focused on the temporal mm -hmm. that we forget about the eternal yeah. and we forget about our nature here. The work that we do here, unless it is eternal gospel work, is insignificant yeah. and will pass away. Uh, and, and the other reason is, especially for kids, is just it's not entertaining for them. Yeah. Right. And we guard kids now from anything that's not entertaining yeah. and that they're not going to enjoy. Mm -hmm. Right. And in that we're teaching them, you really are the center of the world mm -hmm. and life doesn't really happen. Entertainment happens mm -hmm. and you need to be entertained. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and again, that's, that's probably overly critical. Mm -hmm. Uh, but but there is a huge sort of resonation of that attitude in the way that we we deal with kids. And so no, I, I agree one hundred percent. Right, uh, people should go to funerals, mm -hmm. and that would include children. Yeah, yeah. All right. Any any highlights things this week that really jumped out at you? We already kind of chatted a bit about it, but uh, but Moses's comment um, in Numbers eleven. I just want to read a couple of verses here. So Moses says to the Lord, as the people are complaining that they don't have any meat, he says, why have you dealt ill with your servant? And why have I not found favor in your sight that you lay the burden of all this people on me? Did I conceive all this people? Did I give them birth that you should say to me, carry them in your bosom as a nurse carries a nursing child to the land that you swore to give their fathers? Where am I to get meat to give all this people? For they weep before me and say, give us meat that we may eat. They, I, they weep. They weep. I am not able to carry all this people alone. The burden is too heavy for me. And this is this is great. If you will treat me like this, kill me at once if I find favor in your sight that I may not see my righteousness. It's like, God, this is so hard. These people are so frustrating and so childish. If you if you really care for me, you would just just kill me now. Please. Strike me dead. <laughs> Strike me dead. I just I'm so fed up. And, and the thing is, the Lord sustains him through that. And then several more instances of similar situations, some even much more dire than that particular situation. And so even when, like, and maybe, the, maybe the lesson from that is just, even when you feel like you're at your rope's end, like the Lord will empower you to do the things that he has called you to do, as mm -hmm. he did with Moses. Yeah, I, I think for me, it, this brought back some... Some interesting but but really good memories. When I was in Peru, uh, we we were there. There was a family there, the Spearmans, and uh, awesome family. Uh, they were there as missionaries as well, working uh, at the school. Their their boys were in my classes uh, in the school. We were all good friends. And and one thing that Janet had this way of doing, because sometimes living overseas is is really frustrating for for. Like if you try to explain it to someone who hasn't lived overseas, they would say, really, that's what you're upset about. But there are times when these kinds of things creep up and things just don't go the way that you would expect them to go. And Janet had this great way of just sort of expressing her frustration by saying it wouldn't be like this in Egypt. And that was her way of saying, I know for a fact that God has called me and my family to Peru to be a part of this mission's work. But at the same time, I want to be comfortable back in the United States where she was from or where, yeah, I mean, she wasn't originally from there, but where she was from. And, and just that desire to go back and be outside of the will of God because the, sometimes it feels like it would be more comfortable and safer outside of the will of God than in the will of God. Right. And so 
in that she was able to complain, but to complain in a so, such a way as to correct herself mm-hmm. and to correct her heart, to call herself out for her complaint. Mm-hmm. And it was always just this beautiful thing, right? The printer mm-hmm. breaks down and someone can't be there for two weeks. And she would just say, in Egypt, they would be here, right? <laughs> and, uh, and, and so that was, that was just some great memories of, of remembering how she called herself and, and sort of by extension those who heard right. uh, into check in that way. That's cool. Uh, and and I, I think, too, uh, just remembering that when these people complain about Egypt, what they're saying is, I almost wish God had not saved me, mm. right? It, it seems to me that being lost in my sin is better than the struggles and the temptations and the trials of being led by God into his good promise. Mm. And then seeing God's good promise and hmm. saying, it's not for me, right. when God has delivered you to it. I, yeah. I think those are those are weighty things. Yeah, for sure. No, that's that's meaningful. It's funny. The, as we got into Leviticus and, and Numbers, I was kind of concerned that we wouldn't always have a ton of stuff that was interesting enough to talk about on the podcast. But the Word of God has not failed to provide us with meaningful things to talk about. Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks for listening. This podcast is a resource of Memorial Baptist Church in Stratford, Ontario, and is produced by Alex Walker. Have a good week. See you later.